This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. You're listening to the CMO Spotlight on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here again are Catherine Hayes and Jenny Rooney. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. So glad that you're joining us for the CMO Spotlight. Uh, We bring to you some of the great marketing minds of the world, the chief marketing officers who are um, really changing our world, as we'll hear a little bit more about today. I'm Catherine Hayes. I'm the co-author of Beyond Advertising, Creating Value Through All Customer Touchpoints. And with me is Jenny Rooney. Jenny is the Forbes Network CMO editor. Hi, Jenny. Hi, Catherine. How are you? And why don't you just tell our listeners a little bit about um, this second half of our show and our theme for the show and give a little context. Yeah, sh- sure. So um, just recently was the Can Lions International Festival of Creativity, and it's an annual event where marketers from all around the globe come together for a week of uh uh, sharing work, sharing advertising work, and um, it's a major competition too. So people, it's an award show. It is at its core, it's an award show. But um, you know, obviously, over the years and decades, it's 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 sort of um, morphed into so much more than that. It's you know, more and, than sixty years old, right? Yeah, yeah and sixty-two or something. Yeah, yeah, as a consequence, there's just everybody from ad tech players to new media companies to obviously agencies, and and certainly a lot of CMOS who now come, and they come for many different reasons. But uh, it's uh, a, a really an Kind of a very unique opportunity for for networking, discussion, and learning. Uh, and so we're going to just talk about that and sort of against that backdrop and that context. We're we're talking with some of uh, the world's leading CMOS today, and obviously we're now going to be talking to Rick Gomez at Target, who is uh, certainly in that category for sure. So, and with that, why don't we go ahead and welcome Rick to the show? Rick, thanks so much for joining us. Hi, thank you. It's great to be here. So I don't think anybody knows about Target. So if you can just accept, <laughs> just well, okay, they probably do. But if you wouldn't mind just giving us a little bit about where Target is right now as background, as well as maybe your journey to come to this role as the Target CMO. Sure. Why don't I start with my journey and then Great. I can talk about Target. Oh, now he's running um, the show. Okay. <laughs> well, I thought I'd just start there and then we can. That's wonderful. No, it's wonderful. Target, but um. Uh, a little bit about my background. You know, I, I wish I could tell you that my dream was to always become the CMO at Target. But that was <laughs> not the case. I, in fact, was destined to become a lawyer. And I had studied law, had accepted the law school, and um, was very proud, told my parents, and they looked at me and said, that's great, but how are you going to pay for it? <sighs> and that's when the light bulb went on. I needed a job. So I deferred my acceptance and took a job to help pay for law school. And I took a job working in brand management at the Quaker mm. Oats Company. And after two years, I deferred for two years. Um, and then I deferred for a third year. <laughs> and after my third year, I was the assistant brand manager on Captain Crunch. Oh and my, my job was so coming up with what colors of crunch berries should there be? <laughs> What's the ad campaign for peanut butter crunch? What are the games on the back of the box and the toys inside the box. How could you ever leave that for a while? Yeah, come on. No, that is, yeah. And at that point, clearly being a lawyer could not be as much fun as that. No. So that's when I decided I'm going to stick to marketing and spent most of my career working in food and beverage. I was with PepsiCo for 18 years. Oh, wow. Then uh, four years with Miller Coors. And then I joined Target and have been the CMO at Target now for about a year and a half. Um, when I joined Target, I was the senior vice president and had worked in that role for about three years. When the CMO job, job opened up, Jeff Jones, who had been my uh, 
my boss, my mentor, my coach, had left to go on um, pursue other challenges. So the role was open, and I raised my hand, and I said I would love to do that job. And they said, we're going to do an internal search and an external search. And so hmm. I went through a series of interviews. Um, and I'll tell you just a little bit of story uh, so you get a sense of, of who I am in my family. But uh, I come from a pretty tight-knit Hispanic family, and they're very involved in everything um, uh, and have an opinion on everything. And so as I was going through my interviews, my dad would call me, and before every interview, he would give me advice on, Rick, you need to say this. Rick, don't say this. So Rick, helpful. You, do this. you know, very helpful, right? Yeah. Um, so that went on for a while through a series of interviews, and then I remember so clearly a day in January where Brian Cornell, our CEO, called me into his office, and he said, you know, being the CEO, there are some bad days and there are some good days. And he said, today's a good day because I get to offer you the CMO. Oh, that's target. awesome. And the first person, the first person that I called was my dad. Yeah. And um, it, it was a, it's a phone call I'll never forget when I called him and said, you know, Dad, uh, I got the job. And he got really quiet. And he didn't say anything. And then I could hear him, and he started crying. Aww. And I oh said, my goodness! I was like, Dad, why are you crying? This is such good news. <laughs> and he said, you know, I didn't think we were going to get it. And, oh, and you we. Have, you have to understand a Hispanic family. Yeah. It's like, it's we. It's, yes. it's not my career. It's my family. It's my parents. It's ours. And um, he got quiet again. And he said, son, you know what this means? I said, no, Dad, what does it mean? He said, you better not screw this up. <laughs> <laughs> so that's been sort of my journey. And it's, uh, I thought he was going to say something like, you can't shop are, at Walmart or, anymore. <laughs> or how much are we going to make? Yeah. <laughs> no, like my, a family can lift you up, but they bring you right back. Yeah, like, let's, okay, <laughs> don't screw it. I love it. Aww. So I uh, have now been in this job for about a year and a half. Um, and it is an incredible privilege mm. to be the chief marketing officer for Target it's an iconic, world-class brand. We have uh, 1,800 stores throughout the U.S. Um, we have a broad portfolio that ranges from food and beverage to style categories like apparel, home, beauty, electronics, toys, hard lines. Um, so it's, a, it's uh, a mass retailer, but we like to think of ourselves as offering something really differentiated in the marketplace from an experience standpoint. Okay, so let's talk about that because yeah. not an easy category. So um, <laughs> tell us what you, you know, what does innovation look like, Rick, for, for you and for Target? Yeah, I mean, I, what I would say is right now, um, and you know this, uh, you can't pick up the paper or uh, see the news without reading about um, all of the challenges in the retail landscape. It is incredibly tumultuous. You have retailers that are closing stores, that are on the verge of bankruptcy, that have gone bankrupt and are closing. Um, and there's a lot of co consolidation in the industry. And what we have said, and we were very public about it about a year ago, is we actually believe in Target the brand, and we believe that mm -hmm. there's an opportunity for us to create a differentiated experience. So a year ago, we made a public statement that we're going to invest $7 billion over three years to remodel our stores, to open new stores in urban locations and on college campuses, mm -hmm. to invest in our team members so that we're giving even better service in the stores. We're investing in digital um, so that we can provide product to our guests 
wherever and whenever they want it. And we're on a journey to get same-day delivery nationwide as soon as we can. Um, and we're also launching a whole series of new own brands um, across a bunch of categories from apparel, electronics, home, um, kids, adults, men. So, um, and those own brands help to differentiate Target from mm. the other retailers. Mm -hmm. So we've been on this journey of kind of transforming Target and investing in Target and still early, and, but, but the results have been really promising. We had a great holiday season. We had a terrific first quarter. We had our highest traffic in our first quarter that we've had in 10 years. Wow. And so um, I think it speaks to there is an opportunity for Target yeah. that's unique in the marketplace. I want to point out one thing for our listeners because it's subtle, but I want to make make mention of it. You refer to your customers as guests in every, in every context yeah. and every mention, um, but just it, it isn't it isn't. Uh, uh, it is significant. It's not insignificant. So talk about why, you know, why that and what's the, sort of what's the culture that that is uh, uh, sort of a, a glimmer of when you talk about them that way. Yeah, we refer to our customers, our consumers as guests. And I think that is an acknowledgement of um, we really see ourselves as a host and offering an experience to our guests. Um, and we think about being a guest-centric organization and making sure that we're putting the guest at the center of the decisions that we're making. Um, and that includes in the experience that we're creating. And we listen to our guests, and our guests are telling us um, that they want to shop on their terms. They want to shop on their terms, whether that's digitally or that's in store, whether that's buying it in store, um, and then um, browsing on their phone and buying it in store, buying it online and then returning it in store. They want to do it on their terms. And so part of being guest centric is we're now building those capabilities that we can get product to our guests wherever and wherever they want it. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, one of the things that's interesting is we have, um, you know, we have with 1800 stores across the U.S., 80, you have, gosh, it's like 80% of Americans live within mm. 10 miles of a target. Mm -hmm. wow. So if you think about our stores as almost like DCs, they're like hubs that can get product to guests faster than really anybody distribution else. Distribution centers, DCs? Yeah, just, yeah, yeah, distribution centers. Mm -hmm. um, we think that that's a competitive advantage for us. Mm -hmm. um, but that it all stems from what does the guest want, and we are committed to offering offering that for the guest. So I'm going to ask you the same question we, we asked Nick Drake of T-Mobile in the earlier uh, half hour. But, you know, obviously we're coming off of Can, and this is sort of our Can episode, Can follow-up, mm -hmm. post-Can episode. Um, you know, again, against that sort of vantage point, right, or from that vantage point, um, you were in Can, you were at the Can Lions Festival, and, um, you know, Talk a little bit about your perspective about why is a CMO you go there, what do you hope to get out of it, what the value is uh for you personally and for professionally, obviously, for, for the networking opportunities that are there and the learning opportunities. And what were some of the discussions that you were um, both part of and, and learned a lot from? Mm -hmm. um, well, uh, let me just start by saying I'm relatively a newbie to CAN. Mm -hmm. So I went last year for the first time, and I went with, um, I would say, a healthy dose of skepticism. You know, it's a big trip. It's an expensive trip. It's mm -hmm. a long time to be out of the office. Um, but I wanted to check it out, and I wanted to see what it was about. And it was such a productive, such mm -hmm. a constructive week that I actually came back this past year, and I brought 
um, a bunch of people from my team, chief creative officer, head of media, head of strategy, um, so that we could experience it together and have some of those conversations together. Um, It's what I would describe it as, it's a a combination of a lot of different things in that um, it's an opportunity for you to be inspired, uh, to think externally, get out of your bubble, get out of even your industry and see what's going on. It's a chance to network with your peers, uh, understand what are the challenges that they're facing and and quickly come to the realization that we're all facing the same challenges. Um, And it's a great time for us to... uh, partner and spend time with our agencies who are out there and talk about what is world-class creative and what are the implications for the target brand. Um, I love that you go with your team, too, because it's as opposed to trying to read your notes and bring the learning back and that sort of thing. They're experiencing it with you. They're having those conversations. And I would imagine sort of strategizing real time with everything that's been going on, you know, in your business worlds leading up to it. Yeah, I think that's really important. Um, Yeah. for many reasons, but you know, right, the way marketing is moving, it's no longer mm-hmm. siloed between creative and media and strategy. It's really everybody is partnering and collaborating together, and so the ideas come from all over the place. And so I think it's important for that, for those um, that level and those disciplines to all mm-hmm. experience this together. I also think it's really important for our agencies to be there with us. Mm-hmm. And you know, I often say that Target, it's not the kind of we're not the kind of company that buys a piece of advertising from an agency. Mm-hmm. We co-create, mm-hmm. and it's a very iterative process. Um, we have um, a lots of ownership and strong points of view on the target brand, mm. and we respect the creativity and the perspective that our agencies bring, um, but we work it together, and that's really important. Uh, one of the things we did, which was I really enjoyed it, it was one afternoon – um, I asked the agencies, you look, go look through all of the work and come back with what you think is the most inspiring and relevant to Target. And then let's, let's sit down and just as a team talk about it. And we spend an afternoon talking about the work, debating it, um, agreeing or disagreeing. Um, and it was with multiple agencies, so there was collaboration happening across the agencies. And then we went to dinner, and we had a great dinner, and it was a chance for us to work on the relationship as well. Mm-hmm. So it, it was an af- one afternoon, but it was highly productive. I remember the first time I went, um, and Chuck Porter was on our global advisory board for the Wharton Future of Advertising program of Crispin Porter, Bogowski, and CPB. And he said, here's my number one recommendation, Catherine. Go see the work. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, there's going to be a lot of parties. There's going to be a lot of presentations. Just go see the work. And it, and I literally just kind of – I was there on my own but just, you know, walked around just absorbing all of the creativity, all of the innovation, all the mind-blowing ways that people around the world and very globally as well were taking a hold of their brands to whole new different levels. So the best of the best. Um, so that's that's exciting. Yeah. And um, I think, Jenny, you had asked um, what were some of the themes. Yeah, some we of the headlines. Seeing. Yeah, and one, of, one that I would bring up, and it, I think it was, it came up, you saw it in the work, but you also heard it in the conversations. And I think it's the importance of purpose yeah. and ha- having um, a brand, having a clearly articulated purpose. And it's, I think that's always been important, but it's it's even more important now, particularly with millennials mm-hmm. who are um, making purchase decisions 
about brands based on more than just product attributes. They want to know what the brand stands for. Mm -hmm. uh, we often say millennials don't just buy things, they buy into things. And um, one of the key roles, I, I believe, for a CMO is to make sure that the CMO is representing and communicating the brand's purpose and the brand's values um, internally, of course, but then also externally because it's meaningful to consumers and to our guests. Um, and, you know, the one story that I would give you, not to go on a tangent, but um, for us at Target, our purpose is really important, and it's about bringing joy to all families every day. And when um, you can talk about it and talk about it as much as you, you know, and you can create an ad campaign around it, but there's, a, I think, a really specific example that shows how it comes to life, and it has to do with an article I read on Huffington Post. A woman was walking through a Target on a Saturday morning with her son, Charlie, and they went by a sign, and her son started clapping in front of the sign. She took him back in front of the sign again, and he started clapping again. And the sign was actually a child wearing her cat and jack, kids apparel, in a wheelchair. And Charlie, her son, has cerebral palsy. And so when he saw that picture and he just identified with it, mm -hmm. the mom said she stopped literally in the aisle and started crying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, what, what she said in the post, and I remember the words, she, she said something to the effect of it was it, kin for kin, it was like for like, and it was beautiful. Target, you will always have my heart. Mm. And to me, that's part of our values. Like, there, there, it wasn't, this wasn't something that I said, we're going to have a marketing campaign and we're going to have kids in wheelchairs. Right. Or, you know, that it, it's, our, our purpose is about all families. Mm -hmm. So somebody in a casting you know, decision, uh, we have thousands of signs, made a very small decision but to Charlie, it was a really big decision mm -hmm. um, to include that. And, and I think that's, that's how purpose and values come to life in marketing in a way that is really authentic and real. Um, and I think that's what marketers are striving to do is to figure out how to tell their purpose story in a way that feels authentic. Well, and you're the one who has always, you're the first to say it's, 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 it's good business, right? I mean, at the end of the day, you're you're not shying away from the fact that you're doing this because this is what your customers want and this is how you're going to be selling product to be quite brash. But that's, I mean, at the end of the day, that's what you're you're wanting to do and be successful. Um, and actually, you were named, and congratulations, you were a Forbes World's Most Influential CMO um, this year. And that holds with it some some true um, you know, importance both within your organization as you and as you said externally as well. But I mean, you own the voice of the customer in a way that no other executive in your organization does. Mm -hmm. So, so that's the value that you are bringing. Talk about that. I mean, talk mm -hmm. about that unique vantage point that that is the value that you bring to the company to to drive not just brand but the business as well. Yeah, I mean, a couple pieces to that. One is from a business perspective. I mean, we can talk a lot about creativity and innovation, technology, but all of that, in my mind, is um, in service of delivering growth. At the end of the day, what we as CMOs have to do is to deliver top-line growth, market share growth, otherwise we're not winning. Um, and I think it's easy to kind of lose sight of that, and uh, it's really important to me that I'm communicating that, not only to my team, but then across the C-suite that marketing isn't a cost center. We're mm -hmm. actually a driver of the business. 
Um, and that's where, where I believe strongly in measurement and the analytics to demonstrate and hold ourselves accountable for the investments that we're making to demonstrate how they're driving the business. And what sounds so it's what it sounds like is it's it's not an either or, it's not like okay we're going to have growth or we're going to have purpose. It's it's almost the 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 how of the what, having the purpose, having everybody in your organization, which I think is you know one of the main things. You didn't say let's put an edict out and said you know central casting do this. No, it's throughout the organization. So decisions are made independently because the organization, the individuals within that organization get it. And so it's sort of the how you achieve that growth with integrity, with inclusiveness, with with bringing joy. So it's, yeah, it, I agree. they work together. I, I almost think of the purpose as it's our North Star. Yep. And so as we're making those day-to-day decisions, and we're certainly going after market in-market performance, we don't lose sight of where we're going long-term. So as you sit here now, I mean, you know, you have amass so much success at this point, um, you know, there there continues to be huge competition for you all. Obviously, you know, commerce's brand and, and on the ways that co- commerce is changing, e-commerce is changing for, for people and how people want to buy. And, you know, let's talk a little bit about that. What do you see on the horizon and where does Target need to be moving forward so that it's capturing those moments of opportunity as well? Mm-hmm. What we're hearing from our guests is they they don't think about brick and mortar separate from dot com. They think of it as shopping, mm-hmm. and they shop across both and interchangeably. And what they want to be able to do is have it on their terms, whatever those terms may be. And that sounds simple, but for for us, that yeah. requires investment, yeah. and that's investing in supply chain, that's investing in technology. That's investing in our stores to um, make them easier for uh, these services. You know, one of the services that we're rolling out now, which has been really successful, is drive up. And what our guests are telling us is, you know, oftentimes I'm driving around in my car with my child in the back seat and I'm headed to Target and my child falls asleep. Well, don't want to wake up my child. What you can do is through the app is just order those diapers, milk, bread, whatever you need, and we will bring it out to your car and put it in your trunk. Mm-hmm. And we time it, and we're able to do that in a minute nice. and a half. Wow. So the experience is, um, feedback has been awesome and incredible. And what I love about that example is, to me, it shows how technology combined with humanity right. can create a really differentiated experience. That's a great example of that coming together because we talk about it all the time and how I need to have it, but that that's a beautiful example of, of – and you can feel it. You can feel what that must feel like for the parent yeah. who's got the child in the car. And I love the use of your word humanity because, I mean, that was a big term at Can as well, right? Mm-hmm. It's bringing everything – the human at the center is, is – I, th- I feel like there's just been – it sounds so obvious, but I feel like there's sort of a – uh, a rethinking and sort of a, a, a redirection of focus on that again for yeah, brands. Yeah, and it's it's funny because there's a lot of conversations about AI and automation, sure. and you have people who are thinking, you know, this is the silver bullet. This is gonna this is gonna change marketing forever. It's gonna be amazing. And then you have people who are like, oh my gosh, this is gonna kill the creativity. And you know, I think the answer is somewhere in the middle. And I I actually think automation and data can fuel creativity. Um, and I think, and vice versa. Yeah, vice versa. And I think data and automation with humanity—that to me, for, at least for Target, that's the secret sauce. 
um, when we can create better guest experiences in store because we know the guest that's walking in the door and we can address the guest by name and help them find what they're looking for, that can be data fueled. But that humanity is is really special. And you know what we're seeing in the research is Gen um, Gen Z. They actually like having the community yeah, coming together. They right. like shopping in a store. They like that tactile experience. So, um, and sometimes you do, and sometimes you don't. Which is what you were saying before about you. You need to be able to. It's all shopping, and right now I want it online. Right now I want it bought to my car, and otherwise I kind of want to get some time out of the house and go shop in, in the store. So, it really does come together. So yeah, no. So just to answer your question, Jenny, I would just say like you know where where. Um, we're investing in those capabilities so that we can give the guest what they want. And I think that's going to continue to happen over the next few years. Excellent. Rick, Rick, thank you. Thank you so much, Rick. Unfortunately, we're out of time, but we really appreciate your coming on the CMO Spotlight tonight and sharing with us your reactions, not only of Ken, but some of the really exciting stuff that's going on at Target. Thanks. Hope to keep thank in touch. Thank you very much. All right. My pleasure. Thank Cheers. you. Bye-bye. Um, thank you for joining us today on our CMO Spotlight Show. Thanks so much, Jenny Rooney. Appreciate you being here with me. Um, thanks to Michelle Stucker, our producer, Dion Simpkins, our wonderful engineer, Peter Capelli, who leads the station for the Wharton School, and all the other amazing hosts and guests who make time to bring their expertise and their amazing knowledge to you on this channel. I will be posting some of our key takeaways on my Forbes blog that I do on the Forbes CMO Network, so stay tuned for that as well. Um, and you can look up all the show, a lot of information about CAN uh, online, look at their uh, presentations and uh, outputs. Thanks for being with us. Stay tuned for the next show. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 